Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 300 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. On this bonus episode of the show, we'll be hanging out and chatting with some of our longtime listeners, sort of like we did back in episode 200, and generally just celebrating the fact that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy has somehow managed to last for 300 episodes. And if you want to know more about the history of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy and how it all got started, you should go check out our conversation about that back in episode 100. And so today on the show, we've got our producer, John Joseph Adams, along with longtime listeners, Jesse Colton, Tyler Lutz, Chrissy Lutz, and Johan Raud. And so let's start with Jesse. And have you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started listening to Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, okay, so hi, my name's Jesse. Um, I, uh, I discovered the show, I think it was when I was uh, on my first big atheism kick, and I was reading lots of Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins. And whenever I discover someone that I like, I usually go on iTunes and just look for interviews with them. And uh, I think that was how I first discovered the show, was the interview with Richard Dawkins. And from there, I just looked through the list and saw that, like, every other episode was someone I liked and ended up just listening to half the episodes that had been recorded up to that point. And uh, since then, I've discovered a lot of new things uh, through the show. Well, yeah, that's really cool because, I mean, I've said uh, that, Richard Dawkins and George R. R. Martin, which were, were two of the people I was most excited to interview. So, uh, and that was one of the things that really, you know, there, for a while it was touch and go whether the show was going to keep going back in the early days. And after I interviewed... Well, and you, you finally got your white whale, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing that's happened since episode 200 is we finally got Neil Gaiman on the show. <laughs> um, so all but, that's left is Stephen King now. Yeah, Stephen Man, well, maybe by episode 400. We'll have we'll be able to Stephen <laughs> King. Although I don't know, I we, I actually reached out to Owen King um, about um, you know he and Stephen King wrote a book together recently, and um, we couldn't didn't get any response from him. So uh, I think maybe you know if we can get Owen King, that would be a good first step. But I don't know uh, if that's going to happen. Yeah, we did have Joe Hill though. That's that's pretty adjacent. Yeah, well, we've had Joe that's Hill close. twice actually. Yeah. Oh um, right, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he was on the best of Oh, wow. See, I was actually going to ask you if there had been any repeat guests, because when <laughs> I was looking through the guest list, I didn't really see very many repeats. Well, yeah, so we have a policy about not doing repeat feature interviews, uh, but we sometimes people come back on panels or people who have been on panels, and then we do a feature interview or something. Um, probably at some point we'll start repeating feature interviews. I really want to talk to mm-hmm. Kim Stanley Robinson again about some of the books that have come out since we talked to him, but so far I'm, I'm trying to keep it like I, w- I want it to be, I want it to be kind of like Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, like a guide where there's mm-hmm. an entry for each topic or person or whatever. So it's not, just, you know. So if you have the same person over and over again, it kind of defeats the purpose of that. A that little makes bit. sense. But, so when we publish the eight thousand page book version, uh, you know, we won't have to excise anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll all be fresh. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll crowdfund that. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So Jesse, any I don't know anything else you want to say about? Um, so that was you started listening. How long have you been listening? When did you discover the the Richard Dawkins interview? Um, let's see. It's 2018, so I probably started in 2014. So it's been four mm. years that I've been listening now. Wow. And uh, I, at first, I avoided the panel episodes because I just wanted to listen to the interviews. And now that I've listened to them, they're my favorites. Hmm. Okay, cool. I actually uh, 
Geek's Guide is what I play when I go to the gym. I don't like listening to music because I fiddle with my phone too much, so I listen mm. to either podcasts or audiobooks. So now, as a result, every time I turn on Geek's Guide, it reminds me that I need to go to the gym that day. So <laughs> you're helping me stay healthy, too. So oh, you, awesome. So you just get really psyched up. You're just like, science! Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about all this nerd stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I've discovered a lot of things through the show too, especially other podcasts. Uh, Tolkien Professor, mm. I discovered through your show, and I went through and I listened to like every single episode where they went chapter by chapter through mm. the Lord of the Rings, and that was mm. all I listened to for like a month or two. And I got super into Lord of the Rings. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. So, how about Tyler? Tell us about how. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you started listening to Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, so um, I grew up here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, kind of funny side note: you had a uh, a gentleman, Zach Chapman, on your two hundredth episode. Yep. And he, I think he said he was from Austin, and he kind of trash talked San Antonio a little <laughs> bit. So I feel like I have Uh-oh. to defend it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I think I gosh, it's been what eight years since you guys started. Yep, twenty something like that. Yeah. So um, I I. I think it was because I read The Wind-Up Girl by pa- uh, Paolo Bacigalupi, and that was like one of your first episodes. Episode I was just kind two. of looking for – yeah, I was kind of looking for ep- um, interviews with him and then just kind of followed from there. Um, and then, of course, John was putting out short story uh, anthologies, and I just kind of really got into short stories, so got into like uh, – Starship Sofa, Drabble Cast, Escape Pod, things like that. And I think, Dave, you, that's where I actually heard the Cats and Victory was on the Starship Sofa mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a story. So that's kind of a funny story because when I was a kid, I had a picture books. I mean, like, like four years old or something. I had a picture book series called Cats and Victory. And at the time, I didn't even know what the word victory meant. I just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> um, like and so cats and victory doesn't make a whole lot of sense just like grammatically or whatever but um mm-hmm. i always like the title so um as a i don't know in my late 20s i i did a, a sort of a, a new version of it where i used that title and it's kind of a it's kind of my riff on thundercats and uh, <laughs> and there's yeah. like if you know thundercats and you read the story there's some pretty obvious like little references in it there too to it but um but john was kind enough to publish that story uh, in issue one of Lightspeed. Issue one of Lightspeed magazine, yeah. Yeah, so. I, I loved it. It was great. Um, but yeah, so I, I became a, a library assistant at one of our local libraries and started a science fiction book group called Escape the Earth. And um, I would pick books, and then we had these little like pieces of paper that we could put QR codes on and put them on the shelves so people could just walk by and like do the QR code reader and it would pull up like an interview with an author. So Mm -hmm. I would put your podcast as the QR code for like some book we were reading that corresponded with the, the author. So I forced all of my book group readers to Mm -hmm. listen to geeks guy (laughs) to the galaxy. Wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Whether or not it worked. out. (laughs) Yeah. We, we, we gotta, we gotta recruit more librarians to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a few of them told me like that was a great interview with, you know, so-and-so we read, Alistair Reynolds uh, one day, mm. and uh, that was one of the interviews you did. So we talked about that a little bit. Even he even had Alistair Reynolds went to the library, didn't he? Yeah, he, he actually came and, and, and did a reading. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! 
Yeah, yeah. And I great. mean, he he lives in the UK, so it's not like he not like he was just like uh, you know nearby or anything. Yeah, he was here for uh, I think it was WorldCon. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. No, but John then, San Antonio is like the mecca of the world. I mean, everyone. Knows <laughs> <him>. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Well, I was actually just there, uh, Tyler. Yeah. I didn't meet you when I was there, did I? Or yeah, I actually gave you some books. Um, I went to your reading. Um, oh, right, you, right, right. Okay, you were you were a lot taller than I thought you would be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tyler, you're yeah. really tall, aren't you? I mean, I haven't met you. I've just seen your Facebook. <laughs> You've been stalking me. He's tall. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like Yeah, John is taller than we think he is. David is yeah. like more ripped than anyone thought he would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently nice. you should have seen him when he was in high school. He was uh, he was like Rambo. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm quite proud of myself. That I feel like I'm the most ripped person around who has never worked been to a gym in the last 20 years <laughs> so i think for bonus content for the podcast you need to post some some pics <laughs> yeah 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 that's how some we're really gonna boost the, boost the patreon <laughs> count yeah. yeah i would i would up my pledge if there were shirtless selfies <laughs> <laughs> all right see this is why we have these episodes we find out what the <laughs> listeners want <laughs> Yeah, find out what really is uh, is really in the hidden heart of the of all of our listeners. It's like, oh, that's what they want. Okay, got it. <laughs> More flesh. Well, you know, we thought it was David's like intelligence and uh, his good interviewing skills, but really, this whole time it was just his sex appeal that had us listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on. So, Chrissy, uh, tell us about tell us a bit about yourself. Um, I'm Tyler's wife. Um, that's how I got into the podcast. We've listened to it. I mean, for years now, it was the first podcast we listened to it on the way to our honeymoon after our wedding. Um, so it was the first podcast Aww. we ever listened to as a married couple. <laughs> um, but um, I'm, I don't read as much as Tyler does. I'm more of a sci-fi movie person. Um, and then I do costuming mostly. So i always real naggy and paying attention to every costume that comes across any screen and watching it. And how can I make that? And who's going to ask for it? And what can I wear that to? That's pretty much well, me. You used I to have, and watch movies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You had you used to have a business, or maybe you still do, called Nerd Alert, where it was like I did. Um, it was my myself, my sister, and two of our girlfriends, and basically, we just. I mean, when you're a girl and you like science fiction and fantasy, you know. 10 years ago, there weren't a whole lot of options besides t-shirts, and I don't. I'm not a t-shirt person, so we started making vintage styled cocktail dresses and but just with different um movie prints basically so lots of star wars dresses um we'd buy old like vintage bed sheets and turn them into really nice dresses but we just got a little too big for our britches so we just kind of <laughs> disbanded and um now i've got a i've got a new i guess project slash website i do called circle of mars and it's basically I'd say mostly tutorials on how to make all the stuff that I make because I know when I started out doing it you know I'm a lot more ambitious than I am practical <laughs> so I'm always a hundred percent sure that I can make something and then I'll spend a week trying to figure out how to actually do it and I know I'm not the only person like that so I just want to put up any kind of explanation that I can for different things so there's different ways to do printmaking different ways to 
sew finishing on clothes, different ways to draft patterns, all kinds of crafting stuff. I just started using Warbla for the first time, and I know that's what a lot of cosplayers use for, like, building armor and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So it's not quite what I'm using it for, but it's a a stepping stone. That stuff seems pretty cool. I've seen it on, uh, like, on... um... Cosplay Melee, and uh, I think maybe they use it on uh, Face Off occasionally, too. I mean, obviously, Face Off is more oh, yeah. about the face makeup, but... Um, yeah, when when she told me about it, I thought she said war blood, and I was like, <laughs> you're so brutal. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Cosplaying is a very brutal industry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kristen, when you say that you got too big for your britches, what, what, do you, what actually happened? Like, what do you mean? What happened? Um, We had four people in our company, and I made everything. <laughs> Just... Uh. If I had, I work now in clothing manufacturing for my like regular nine to five job. And if I knew then that you could hire someone else to do it for you for a low price, I definitely would have done that. But I was working full time and trying to sew full time and it just Mm. wasn't, wasn't quite it. But we got to do, we got to do a couple of cool stuff. I made a Chloe Dykstra dress for an episode of Epic Mealtime and we got to, meet a ton of different celebrities, and we went to tons of conventions, so it was a great experience yeah. for sure. You were featured on io9. Yeah, we got on io9, on Gizmodo, oh. mm-hmm. I mean, every website. Before I even fully could comprehend how neat it was, <laughs> I think I was just like, what, what, what? So, so the, celebrity con- the celebrity connections, how did that happen? Did somebody reach out to you, or did you meet somebody at a convention? Or um, Mostly just people reaching out. It was hmm. always very... Um, I mean, I still, every now and then, someone will come up and be like, hey, you're Chrissy, right? And I just, I don't know how to uh, correctly accept the fact that, like, hey, I'm constantly putting myself on the internet, so of course it's going to happen. But my immediate reaction is always, like, to scream stalker in their face and, like, ah, how do you know? <laughs> but it's, it's fun, and it's, it's always really cool to be acknowledged for something that you do. I'm sure you guys know. I mean, hmm. you've gotten recognized. Probably not as Definitely much as you, you're... to be honest. <laughs> you probably handle it a lot better, though. <laughs> well, Dave, if you went to a convention, I bet it would happen a lot. Like, you know, uh, just there would be lots of fans who would, like, walk by you and be like, Oh, my God, it's David Barkerley! Yeah. They would at least have to hear your voice. Like, if they didn't recognize <laughs> you, then once you started talking, people would just start yeah. flocking around. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, and, you know, at a convention, like, you know, you're always going to have, like, a name badge on. And so, like, it might be one of those things where, like, you know, even if they don't necessarily see him, they might happen to see his name off out of the corner of their eye and then, like, freak out, you know? Well, it's funny because for for years and years, I don't know if this still happens so much anymore, but everyone would describe Geek's Guide to the Galaxy as uh, John Joseph Adams' podcast, editor of The <laughs> Living Dead and some other guy. Uh, no. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but uh I don't know. Now that John now that I've been the full time host for two hundred episodes, maybe uh <laughs> maybe people know who I am. John works from the shadows now. John yeah, is the yeah, puppet yeah. master <laughs> the uh, we, I mean, I'm kind of a half assed puppet master, to be <laughs> We we have always gotten a lot of joy out of the introduction and when it would go. John Joseph Adams and David Bach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our, mm. David our favorite Bach thing to shout at each other. <laughs> <laughs> who is Yo. that guy, by the way? Yeah. Uh, John, this is oh, the voice. Jack yeah, who does the. Oh. Who does the introduction? Who Who is the guy who, who <laughs> does the, the opening narration? John, yeah, it's this guy named Jack Kincaid. Jack Kincaid uh, or someone? 
Yeah, Jack Kincaid. Yeah, uh, like at the oh, end, but listens to the Nightmare podcast. He's he 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 does the um the the introductions to those two, and uh, uh, I think he's also the person that says Lightspeed um on the Lightspeed podcast. You know, where the, the little intro uh part right at the beginning. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just a guy. He, actually, he, that's a very weird uh random connection that I made like years and years ago. Like uh, this was back in MySpace days. Uh. I mean, I never really was on MySpace too much, but I, I did have a profile there, and I, occasionally I would poke around on it, and it was, I never really ever met anybody or anything. It's mainly, it's like, oh, well, there's a lot of bands on there and stuff, and so I'd go and listen to music and, you know, and, you know, just check out what they were doing on there, but, uh, but he, it like, was randomly, a different time. um, he randomly reached out to me on there just because of, like, whatever interests I had listed, um, you know, it's like, and he's all, he's into similar music as I am, so, like, it's part of why he reached out, and, uh, we just became friends, uh, and then, you know, turned out he did all this, uh, you know, voice acting stuff, and, you know, that, all that kind of stuff, and so, um, so, yeah, that's how that, that's how that came about, um, and then when I we do were have to say, watching I, Gates I, Guide, I, yeah, go ahead. I really appreciate that the uh, opening intro used to be like a full minute long, and now it's only like thirty seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because you know, John set that all up. I've never actually met Jack, uh, although I'm grateful to him for doing it. But when he, the, the first thing he sent was like five minutes. The first intro music was like five <laughs> minutes long, and I was like, <laughs> "Can we get this down to like a minute or something?" Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, and then it's been, I think been cut down even more since then. Uh, which is too bad because it's kind of a nice piece of music that he did for us. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, people wanted to oh, it get is. into the show. Mm-hmm. I like it at the end. I think it works really well as an outro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and I also want to get our uh, other uh, uh, panelist mm-hmm. in here. So, uh, Yuhan Rao, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. All right, so um, I'm uh, from Estonia, uh, uh, Tallinn, and uh, I've basically like been a science fiction and fantasy fan uh, all my life so uh i don't know uh started listening to the show uh basically in the like since the beginning i mean uh, uh the the early days uh but uh kind of uh done it less and less uh, <laughs> uh, uh, like um in the in the most recent years but yeah uh back in the beginning i mean uh everybody was like sort of waiting for uh, a dance with dragons right so uh so there was this promise uh, uh of like maybe you know there the, there's going to be like an interview with george you know so i, I was like impatiently waiting for that and then uh, uh like listen to all of the podcasts uh and then you know uh, you you guys moved i think uh sw- switched uh platforms and then uh, well eventually you got to george but you know uh, uh then i uh, then i was hooked already but uh, mm-hmm. but then yeah i mean uh the, you know uh recent so i've been like listening to uh like if there's somebody that I really like or or uh, I'm interested in, then I'll I'll check out a specific show. But I mean, uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's been uh, it, like more like a bit more difficult to listen regularly now because uh, of uh, you know uh, like everyday stuff. But uh, yeah, well, you know, it sounds I like you're really d- busy. Like this is the only day that you can do this <laughs> in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, just what call him out on air, do? Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so what do you do that's keeping you so busy? 
Well, uh, uh, I, um, uh, I'm a, uh, a journalist, uh, mm-hmm. and also uh, I give lectures. He's a spy. Uh, on... That's what he's not saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a master spy, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I give lectures uh, on like uh, philosophy and uh, critical thinking sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but uh, like I said, I mean, uh, a lifelong fan of science fiction and uh, fantasy and horror, and uh, uh, it's, it's really cool to be on the show. <laughs> so, so what is the fantasy and science fiction scene like in Estonia? Oh, uh, I mean, the local scene is uh, is uh, pretty small, but I think like uh, it exists. Um, but usually, it's it's you know, like. Uh, because of the internet, uh, everyone's mm-hmm. so international anyway. So, you know, we, you know, we pretty much read, you know, the, all, all the authors in, in the original language, which means, mm-hmm. you know, English, so on. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, like there are some, you know, local cons, but they're sort of small, uh, and, uh, so, uh, but we we have had like notable guests. Uh, I wasn't in uh, uh, that con, but uh, but we had Bruce Sterling uh, mm. one year. Uh, yeah, well, and you went to WorldsCon, right? I think I saw on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. Uh, uh, so uh, the the one uh, that was in Helsinki, uh, pretty. Uh, pretty uh, near you know mm. just took the ferry to finland and you know there mm. it was so uh i mean yeah that was amazing i mean uh, uh <laughs> you know so, saw all my you know favorite authors uh took a special you know like a uh like a like a bag full of books you know <laughs> just to get them all signed and uh i'm kind of proud to say i i I did get them all signed, so I mean that was kind of amazing too. But you know, just to just to see like uh, you know living legends like you know Bob Silverberg or or you know uh, uh, George R. R. Martin or or well, actually I I, I I'd seen George uh, once before uh, in uh, uh, two thousand and nine uh, when he was also guest of honor at uh, the. Fin, FinCon, so the, that was like pre-Game of Thrones day, so he was sort of like not that super-duper celebrity Be- before that he the is TV now. Show. Yeah, 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 but like pre... Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, Ice and Fire is the is the books, so I... I uh, yeah, I, I call it, you know, Game of Thrones is the is the show. So yeah, before the TV show, or, or HBO show. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's interesting when you, when you're talking about George R. R. Martin because you know I was like such a huge George R. R. Martin fan. Um, mm. You know when we started this podcast, he's one of the main people I wanted to interview, and yeah. I, I would spend hours every day on this Song of Ice and Fire message board and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then um, when the TV did, show came out, you know me and didn't so- you didn't sorry uh, so didn't you like uh, rewrite like rewrite <laughs> Game of Thrones by hand or something? Yes, uh, yes, I did. Yeah, a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, that's impressive. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, trying yeah, to absorb absorb his magic. <laughs> I think he said that the exercise is to take a book 
that uh, you really like their style and you want to learn from it and then write it all out by hand and just it'll make a connection in your brain with how they write and it'll help yeah, you exactly. become a better yeah. writer. Yeah. Yeah, so actually I, I talked about I think this that's al- an amazing idea. A lot in episode 200, so if anyone's curious about mm-hmm. that, I don't want to sort of um, reiterate all that stuff, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but I do want to say, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of too bad because when the TV show came out, you know, it's, it, it started passing the books. And so I didn't mm-hmm. want to watch yeah. the show and neither did Douglas Cohen or I think Chris Vasquez, yeah, a yeah. bunch of our friends. And so, um, you know, uh, George R. R. Martin was such a huge, like central part of my life and the TV show kind of made it so that I'm, mm. I'm sort of disconnected from that. I'm still waiting for the next book to come out before I. Yeah. Yeah. Watch As are we all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have a confession to make, which is that I've never seen or read Game of Thrones at all. Oh, no. <laughs> Get out! Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm done. Bye, guys. Shut up, uh, I somehow have avoided it all this time. No, but I, you know uh, what's funny is I've listened to all the Game of Thrones panels and been intensely interested in everything <laughs> you're saying, even though I have no idea what's going on. It's just so entertaining <laughs> to listen to people talking yeah. about the story. Because, because mm-hmm. we're passionate, right? So it's uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I also, I, I haven't. Uh, I've, I've actually like made efforts to not watch uh, the show at all. I mean, I mean. Uh, so uh, I'm like books only. Uh, so because here's my reasoning for that. I, uh, when the first trailers started coming out, you know, or like. Uh, uh, George was like uh, putting on hints about casting and so on on his not a blog and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, maybe 2010 or something. So eventually, like uh, for the first trailers, teaser trailers or whatever for the first season was you know coming out, and I was super excited. I mean, uh, like everyone else, but um, then I noticed something weird, um, which was that. Uh, when I went back to the book, you know, like uh, just rereading it for pleasure, uh, the bits that were like featured in the trailer mm-hmm. were, you know, what, what, what I was, I was seeing, uh, parts of, from the trailer, uh, or the teaser. So, so whenever I would read, um, uh, something that was not in the trailer, that would be my own imagination, right? So that would be like the character, how I imagined them. So then I would, you know, come to uh, this, you know, bit that was, you know, featured in the teaser trailer, and that would be like Peter Dinklage instead of Tyrion, Mm -hmm. you know? So I quickly realized that, oh, no, you know, if I watch the whole season and it's done very, you know, faithfully or very well it doesn't matter i mean the the the, the show is going to overwrite mm-hmm. my imagination i'm going to lose my connection with those characters that only i have and it's going to be yeah. replaced by these you know wonderful actors who i'm sure do a you know remarkable job but it's it's going to be you know this uh, thing from this industry right so mm-hmm. i want to you know uh uh, I, I want my own connection with these characters as I see them. So I, I, I made that, this decision really quickly to just avoid the, the, the show. And, uh, now it's, now it's turned into this very weird, interesting conundrum. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, where it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, like, what 
you know, I can only imagine how George feels about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but uh, it's strange that it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's like an adaption of a thing that's not yet written, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of its own thing. That's what everybody keeps saying. You know, the show is the show. The books are the books. But it's, it's like, what's the relationship between them? Is it, is it like authorized fan fiction now? Because they're ma- basically <laughs> making things up, you know, as they go along. But they're sort of like basing it on what George said. So mm-hmm. nobody can be sure. It's, it's, it's very strange and weird, very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with, yeah. with Game of Thrones, I feel like there's so many characters. It might help new readers just to kind of make that connection. I know when I read, the first book, I had to tape a family tree to the <laughs> to the front cover just to keep track of all of it. Yeah. We definitely watched every yeah. episode, and then usually rewatch them before the next season comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and so for for you people who've watched the show, just no, don't give me any spoilers for the for the show. I don't want to know. And let me yeah. just like talk about the pain of trying to avoid Game of Thrones spoilers <laughs> in the current oh, yeah. milieu. <laughs> so I was watching a fucking. It was an ad for internet service and there was a huge game of thrones spoiler in the ad for internet service it's like you cannot avoid it (laughs) yeah there there was a huge uh, there was a huge uh spoiler uh in the hugo ceremony as well they were when they were basically just like uh uh, showing clips of the nominated, like, best, uh-huh. uh, you know, TV episode things. And then there yeah. were, like, the, the most dramatic scene mm-hmm. from that super cool episode. And you're like, right. that, that hasn't happened yet, you know, yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Avoiding you know, Game the... of Thrones spoilers is like trying to avoid Star Wars spoilers. Yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. with the, yeah, the Hugo's thing is like, I always hate that, that they do that, cause it's like, well, the entire Hugo Awards is basically centered around books, except for the two categories. And yet, for all of the dramatic categories, it's like they spend like, 10 minutes showing trailers or little snippets of the nominated things. Whereas for the books, we don't get any snippets of the books. It's like, it's, <laughs> ostensibly, this is all about the books. And, and also we give a little, a little bit of nods to, to some of the media stuff, but it's like, then we spend all this time putting these, uh, clips on screen where it's like, yeah, yeah, we know what that is. Like, but, you don't need to show us that. Yeah, this isn't the Oscars. They're, they're trying you know? to turn <laughs> into the Oscars. Yeah, but to, I mean, be, to be to be fair, to be fair, like I mean, the 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 last uh, Hugo ceremony in Finland was like just amazing. So, uh, oh, was it? you know, yeah, 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 I didn't go, so I didn't. Yeah, so so it was really good. Though. It was, yeah, yeah, it was, it really was. I mean, uh, Karen Lord was the Toastmasters, mm-hmm. and she was fantastic. I mean, oh, I, I I I have I hadn't read any of her work. But mm-hmm. like after that ceremony, I like I went straight to the bookstore and like oh, you know bought a book, you know. So like that was incredible, yeah. And it was just just a just a just a like an incredible feeling of you know being in a in that same room when mm-hmm. you know like Ursula K. Le Guin, you know, who mm-hmm. you know has like won a Hugo, you know, and and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know. We got to hear uh, a speech that she'd prepared especially for this occasion. So it was like mm-hmm. a, a magical moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, but the I, I agree though with the uh, with the with the showing of the clips. I mean, it's it's kind of spoilerish, but uh, mm-hmm. just uh, just the ceremony itself was uh, the Hugo ceremony uh, was was amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, so so Tyler, you were mentioning that you you met John recently and you were having him sign some books or something. Do you do you go to a lot of book events like that? No, I was actually working the event, and everyone that pays a membership gets a bag full of books. Hmm. So um, yeah, so uh, no, I try to go to as many of those events as I can, specifically the literary ones because the panels are just mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I love hearing my, my favorite panels at those things are the Texas weird panels. So you get all these like <laughs> old weird hippie dudes from like the, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s, just regaling stories mm-hmm. about each other and how weird they are. And just like all this, these like weird fiction that they've been writing. So like mm-hmm. Joe Lansdale, Scott Cup. I know Michael uh-huh. Moorcock gets looped in there. And I think George Martin actually grew up with some of those guys, or at least he knows them very well. But I just love hearing those stories because those guys are just nuts. And so, sorry, what capacity are you working the events in? Oh, so well, the, I, I was working the uh, the World Fantasy Convention because we have a, a cousin that's on the board that does the Lone Star Cons every year. And Lone Star Con was chosen to take over the World Fantasy Convention for San Antonio. And so we were just at like Thanksgiving, I think, one year. And my, our cousin Robert was like, Tyler, you want to help me out at the World Fantasy Convention? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just super neat. And that was an interesting con because it was mainly just industry folks. There weren't a lot of fans there. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to meet uh, all those people. So so what percentage of your time at the con is, is you working versus you getting to go enjoy the con? So I told Robert, I was like, I will work, you know, as much as you want me to, but I have to see a few of these panels. And he was like, oh, mm-hmm. no worries. Like, you just go, you know, kind of go see whatever you want. And uh, whenever you can help out, you know, we would appreciate it. So he kind of gave me free reign to go and, and see whatever I wanted. Um, so I was, I was pretty fortunate to get that gig. And Chris, you, you do go along to a lot of these or, or not? Um, I go to some of them. I that one I definitely wasn't allowed to just because it was a, <laughs> like members, a members only. only kind of thing. <laughs> and they don't allow costumes at that con, unfortunately. Yeah. If I have any excuse to make an outfit for something, I'm going to take it. So <laughs> if I can't even go, then I'm just going to pout. <laughs> I'll make a pouting outfit. But, yeah, it was um, a funny story. I know Yuhan uh, mentioned uh, Bruce Sterling um coming out to to Estonia um we yeah. actually got to go to his family's house yeah. and see his ba- see his baby picture it's a, my my best friend's that's his my best friend's uncle and Tyler's for years been like is is he going to be there like any any family function that she invites us to he's like is Bruce going to be there and she's like no he doesn't live here <laughs> stop being weird <laughs> I have high hopes so so what did his baby pictures look like Adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have like mirror shades on? <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, a schizmatrix tattoo across his neck. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we, I do. I try to go to as many with Tyler as I can. Um, when he was still working at the library, George R. R. Martin came to. I can't remember what the convention was, but he had donated just, I mean, cases and cases of Game of Thrones books to the library. So Tyler went up to thank him for it, and I got to go with him. And he just kind of looked at Tyler. He's like, "I don't want to see these in a pawn shop." I think he like signed a bunch of them. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, we found out later he had no idea that the books were donated. It was all his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of bombarded him. Yeah, but it's it's always fun. It's always 
like I said, just see like the people that you admire in yeah. in person is always just yeah, remarkable. And, and like I was saying, like the literary cons, like the panels are just amazing. Like I know Paulo Bacigalupi was on a panel where they were talking about like uh like um ecological issues that are going to be happening in the future and just like drawing on some of the short stories that he's written. And uh, so you have like authors and scientists like in the same mm-hmm. panel and it was just super cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And so, and so John, I wanted to give you a chance. Uh, yeah. You want to give us an update on what you've been up to? Oh, well uh, yeah, just been really busy, uh, you know, uh, editing novels and everything trying to keep up. It's like, it's been an entirely, you know, uh, different thing than, than working on short stories. But, um, like, just to give you a, a sense of how busy I am yesterday, I got up at six thirty and I started working then, uh, you know, after some coffee and then I stopped working at 10 30 at night. Um, oh. you know, I had, oh, wow. had some breaks during the day, you know, I ate lunch and dinner and stuff. And, uh, and I also walked 12 miles, uh, on my treadmill, uh, Jesus. cause I have, I have, I have my, uh, treadmill desk set up. So I was working while I was. Uh, walking while I was working. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, but so uh, so I got a lot of work done yesterday. Well, well, so 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 John, is there any uh, anything you've done lately where people could support you financially on the internet? Oh, <laughs> yes. And, and as a matter of fact, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I launched a I launched a Patreon and a Drip. Um, drip is uh, Kickstarter's answer to Patreon. It's basically the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, if anybody wants to support. Uh, all the things that I do, you know, Lightspeed and Nightmare and uh, all my different uh, other editorial projects. Uh, yeah, you can chip in a buck or two a month or whatever, that kind of thing. And, uh, um, yeah, so, so either on Patreon or Drip. And, you know, if you just look for my name, you know, you can find uh, the pages easily enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for the nudge, Dave. I, it's still new to me, so it's <laughs> like I forget that I have to promote that thing. Yeah. Um, well, let me just say, like, John has done so much for fantasy and science fiction and for new writers and like all these magazines and anthologies. And he's worked on geeks guide to the galaxy for about eight years without getting paid. So, I mean, like, you know, mm. people, you know, if you want to support John, you know, I mean, he, he deserves it so much. And I would just really strongly encourage people to, he do does. Oh, thank you, Dave. I think I realized how, uh, actually well-known John kind of has become when I went in the bookstore and I saw his name on like three different anthologies and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the guy. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> now John's, John's, he, he's made it big time. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder, David, uh, David, do you ever plan on releasing a book of like any of your short fiction or anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be happy to. I mean, at this point, I haven't written any new stories for a number of years, and publishers generally are not super interested in short story collections. I mean, um, but I'm, I mean, if anyone wants to, it's I'd too bad you don't to. know anyone important who works in the publishing industry. Who <laughs> might also be Paul. Right, right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, um, uh, yeah, I mean, what are you saying is true though? Like, collections are a hard sell, and it's like so. Basically, like I, I've tried to acquire, um, I tried to acquire uh, a collection. Um, uh, since I took over, since I started my imprint and, 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 um, I have to get authorization for everything that I buy. So, you know, it's like, I, I have a boss. So, I mean, I, I don't just have carte blanche to do whatever I want. And so, um, 
So basically, it's like they 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 would have let me buy it, but they wanted a, like a, a promise from the author to also write a novel, to you know, to to sell us a novel also that they hadn't written yet. Oh, so yeah. it's like so so, but the author wasn't really comfortable with that because like they weren't sure if they were going to write a novel or how long it was going to take them to write one, and you know they didn't want the pressure of that. So, but why are why are short stories a uh, uh, hard sell? I mean, just like complete naivety here. I, yeah. I, I genuinely well, don't know. Right. I mean, so. Anthologies and collections, you know, collections being, uh, you know, single author collection, you know, so all, mm-hmm. all the stories by the same person. Um, collections and anthologies have different challenges. Um, anthologies and see, there's, there's all this institutional knowledge in publishing that just tells them that anthologies and collections don't sell. Uh, hmm. and, and it's really hard to fight against that, whether, you know, I mean, it's true in some cases, but I mean, a lot of times it's, well, because it's like, oh, well, because they don't really understand how to, promote them or how to, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. get people yeah. interested in them in the way that they can get them interested in a novel. Um, but then you see collections like, uh, like Carmen Maria Machado's collection that came out. It's like, it's like all over the place. It's like getting nominated for every like major literary award, not even just genre awards, but like, you know, national mm-hmm. book award and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's like, you know, it, these things can be published well and, and, uh, and sell a lot of copies. Um, and it's just like, um, it's it's just it's just challenging, and so it's hard to convince publishers to take a chance on that sometimes. And I know a lot of uh, I I know a lot of people who who would say that like you know a novel by an unknown author is like uh, you know too much of a gamble you know just mm-hmm. re- readers you know so you know they might try to uh, you know. Uh, read a couple of the uh, that you know author's short stories before mm-hmm. to just genuinely see if you know they they like what the the writer does so yeah. i mean that's uh, like you know uh, i think like single author collections are 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 marvelous so i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean and <laughs> you know that there definitely should be more of them so i'm i'm kind of su- well not yeah i'm kind of surprised to hear that the, the, there's some some kind of a uh, some kind of a bias against prejudice them or against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because I mean, they 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 really sort of give you the chance to sort of uh, show off your uh, variety as an author. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to write. Uh, you know, a novel is a single story or or many many stories interwoven, but. Uh, a short story. Uh, short stories are just you know they they can they can show what mm-hmm. what an author can do and that's 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 fantastic. I think that anthologies in particular have a really devoted fan base because everyone who mm-hmm. I've ever seen who has one issue of like a monthly mm-hmm. anthology has all of them. You, <sighs> you never see anyone who just has one best American mm-hmm. science fiction or something. Mm-hmm. It's always like they have a complete bookshelf full of them. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's easier to sell novels to uh, just casual readers who don't mm-hmm. know anything about the genre, whereas uh, really hardcore fans probably go in for anthologies more than publishers are willing to admit. Yeah, well, let, let me just say, Jesse, I mean, as someone who's written short stories and not any novels, like I feel like there's not even it's not even so much that there's a bias against short stories. It's just a total lack of awareness that, mm-hmm. you know, you tell people that you write yeah. short stories and they're just like, well, I, I don't get it. Like, could you explain that again? Like, you <laughs> What's know? a short story? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, do you think maybe part of it is that we don't really have serialized short stories in our media anymore? We don't have, uh, you know, newspapers that people write mm-hmm. stories in or... You know things like that. Yeah, I mean that probably doesn't that probably doesn't help that 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 that, that is 
absent from like the main the mainstream. Uh, I mean, my hope is that shows like Black Mirror and and like the Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams and mm. things like that. There, mm. And, there, and there's yeah. you know there's yeah. like a, there's a Twilight Zone revival coming out uh, that's going to be held by Jordan Peele. Mm. Uh, and so you know, like some of these anthology type shows, like I, I'm hoping that that might you know get people excited uh, anew in 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 short stories in general, uh, and hopefully they'll realize like, oh, hey, anthologies and collections are places I can get things like that, you yeah. know? Um, and the Philip K. Dick one is kind of interesting because I think that's the first time that there's ever been a, a TV show where it's like, it's a, it's a single author collection as mm-hmm. opposed to just an anthology of, of, of works by like all different sorts of people. Um, so, so I, that I'll be curious to see if, if, if people actually sort of, uh, become aware, like, oh, I can actually go read that book of all of Phil K. Dick's collect, uh, stories, or, and hey, there's other authors have, who have books like that. Like, maybe I should look and see if one of these authors that I actually really like already, uh, has one of those books. Um, and, and it's funny, it's like, you know, I think like the, the, where the bias comes from is that you can have, uh, a lot of times, like, there's been, uh, you know, authors who are quite popular with their novels, but then, uh, and so a publisher is like, oh, well, hey, let's go ahead and do a collection of their stories. And then it's like the collection sells a tiny, tiny fraction of what the novels sell, even if like they're a big famous author. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's certainly exceptions. Um, like, I mean, Stephen King's cl- uh, collections t- seem to sell very well. I mean, he's certainly done plenty of them. Um, and like, Neil well, King I was actually going like to that, bring but... up Stephen King. Yeah. Because they, they, there was an adaptation of his short stories as, I don't know mm-hmm. if it was a mini series. Oh, I think they did a Nightmares right. and Dreamscapes, uh, yeah, yeah. television adaptation a while back. And I think it, it either didn't sell very well or wasn't viewed a lot or just wasn't really mm-hmm. good. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I well, remember that, yeah, I had a DVD true, I of it that, and yeah. I watched a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there I mean, was. The, I, I, I thought that was a, uh, a little bit uneven, but I mean, I thought uh, there was a, several of them that were quite good. So, I mean, yeah, that, that was actually a pretty good um, attempt at, to, to, to do that. I'm trying to remember that show. There was another show that did adaptations. I think, David, you mentioned it when they, they did Sand Kings by George Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was The Outer Limits. Yeah, Outer, Outer Limits, that's what it was. Did they Were those based on short stories? Or? No, I think most of them were original screenplays, but some yeah. of them were adaptations of stories. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that was a, it was, it was a mix on there. Um, and that was, that's always been my complaint about those anthology shows. It's like, well, I mean, sure, you could do, you could just do original stories, but the thing is that there's this huge wealth of science fiction short stories that you could just adapt. And likely the world building and everything has been better worked out than, like, you know, cause like, I mean, I don't know, you know, you know, it's like, I, I wouldn't expect people who are screenwriters who don't specialize in science fiction uh, to, to know science fiction as well as like a science fiction writer who like lives and breathes science fiction. So, uh, you know, if, if they come up with like a cool idea, I don't, ex- I wouldn't expect it to be as fully realized as like what, like a science fiction short story necessarily would. Um, so I mean, it's like kind of a unlevel playing field, but, um, but, but, but they're doing it to themselves. They don't need to do that. Just, just, just find something great to adapt. It's not like anyone's going to even notice, like if you're worried about your ego, no one's even going to notice the, that it was based on the story. They're just going to know whether or not this, that the yeah. episode was good. You know? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a sad, that's a little sad side note <laughs> that it's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, sure. If, if your story gets adapted, that's great, but no one's going to care or know about it or anything. <laughs> they're not going to like go buy I, your books probably. Um, I have but. to say, I've I've always been really astounded by the skill it takes to write short stories. Um, as a writer, it's not an ability that I've ever had. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I think for both my creative writing courses that I took in high school, our final project was to write a short story. Mm-hmm. And both times I started writing novels and couldn't finish <laughs> them. 
Right. I, I just, I, I'm one of those writers who uh, has to spend so long just delving into the characters and the environment that I have to go back afterward and cut a bunch of it out just so that it's mm-hmm. not boring to read. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really uh, just amazed by people who are able to build a whole world within, you know, 20, 30 pages. Mm-hmm. Are you guys writing or submitting fiction or anything? Oh, could, can I just can I just jump in real quick oh, yeah, before yeah. you go there, Dave? Uh, I, I, before we get too far afield of, of what sparked this, which was your short stories, uh, and I know I know you don't mind uh, talking about your short stories. I know you're uh, you're proud of them and everything, but um, I, I, I was just gonna say, like, given this is episode three hundred and everything, it's like um, that's actually my like my one um, like. Uh, I feel like just the one downside of Geek's Guide is that it's completely subsumed your creative life and, like, you haven't really written short stories. I mean, you wrote you wrote a few in the early days still after we started Geek's Guide, but since, you know, since you really devoted yourself to it and, and made it, like, sort of, uh, like, your full-time gig, it's like you haven't written any short stories. And, and I feel sad about that because I was like, well, I mean, I, I really liked your short stories and um, I, I felt like you were writing short stories unlike what other people were doing. Like, like nobody, I mean, or better, better to say nobody was writing stories like the way you write stories, you know? Um, so like you had this unique, uh, sort of style or viewpoint or whatever, like, um, you were doing, you were doing interesting things that, that I wasn't finding out elsewhere. Um, and so that's been my one, uh, sort of big, uh, sadness about the show is that it has prevented you from writing more short stories. So well, I, I would hope that, I would hope that someday you'd be able to get to do it again, but, yeah, um, but- I know it takes a lot of mental energy to do the show. I already gave him a, a short story idea before before we even started. <laughs> it's the Cats and Victory sequel with Oryx. Uh, I think it would be interesting. So many of the uh, like recurring panelists on the show and friends of the show are writers that mm-hmm. I think there could be something to putting together a Geek's Guide to the Galaxy anthology of just people mm-hmm. who have been featured on the show and David and David's friends and... Because so many people who are on the show write short stories that I think a short mm-hmm. story collection from guests would actually be a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could actually be a good thing for uh, the Geek's Guide Patreon. Like if uh, if we got together some sort of uh, collection that you know yeah. people could get yeah. could go get as a reward to. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be down with it. I want to say awesome. I uh, I feel I feel a little guilty because I've only ever read one of David's short stories. Uh, <laughs> I think it was called uh, "Save Me, Please." Oh, yeah. is that? Yeah, am yeah I that's right. right. Yeah. Uh, it I really liked it, but I was afraid to read any more because I like David so much that you know how sometimes <laughs> you have a friend who's an artist and you're afraid you're not gonna like their art and it's gonna make yeah. it weird. <laughs> so I was super terrified, and then after I read that one short story, I was like, "Oh, good." He's a good writer. I don't have to be scared now, but I haven't gone back and read anything else that he's written yet. Well, actually, let me let me just address John's um, thing there, because I was thinking about this yesterday because, you know, when I was younger, I sort of imagined that I, you know, what I wanted to be is I wanted to be a science fiction writer. And I sort of imagined that being a science fiction writer, I would be on TV mm. talking about current <laughs> events and stuff and everyone would be interested, <laughs> yeah. in, interested in my opinion. And because um, I go on see- Bill Maher. Yeah, because I would see, yeah, exactly, because I would see like Harlan Ellison on Bill Maher, and I had mm-hmm. I had read um, Asimov's um, autobiography where he talked a lot. It seems like he was really a public uh, intellectual and commentator and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I sort of got to the point where I was like, oh, actually, in the current cultural landscape, nobody asks science fiction writers about their opinions, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, th- and that's Im- important to me. And so, like, so I, I sort of felt like I except had to on build. this show. 
I had to, that's I had because to... the that's because the present is become so science fictional that everyone is sort of like uh, just to. <laughs> We're just all to living in an alternate it. dimension anyway, so. <laughs> no, not 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 particularly alternative, but I mean it's it's pretty science fictional. I mean, like William Gibson already said, I I don't remember where, but like he said that, like if you want science fiction, you know, just you know, open a, up a copy of Vogue or something. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like it's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. The 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 future is 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 really here. I mean, uh, well, but I feel yeah. like there's a lot of conversations that should be happening in the mainstream media that really aren't. And I felt like I had to mm-hmm. build the platform if you know if I wanted to have mm-hmm. any kind of actual you know talk mm-hmm. talk about those things at length in any substantial way. Yeah. I ha- would have to build the platform myself to do it. So that's kind of where my attention has been because that was always mm-hmm. part of the plan. Well, you know, there used to be a time when writers were respected public figures who were there, uh, they were deferred to on public matters and asked questions. Mm-hmm. And now we've reached a place where writers sort of exist in their own little bubble and public commentators exist in their own little bubble and never the twain shall meet. And I think maybe we should, uh, we should try and break down those barriers somehow. I don't know how to go about it, but. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm doing. And let me, let me just say also on John's point, I mean, one of the things about because I always wanted to be a short story writer, you know, I grew up reading Asimov, talking about visiting John W. Campbell and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just sort of like got to the point where I was like, well, I love writing short stories and I love reading short stories. But you know, like you send it, you submit them and it takes like months to get a response. Mm-hmm. And then it takes like years for them to get published. And then you don't get paid anything. And then like nobody <laughs> reads them. So it's like it's kind of like, you know, there's like mm-hmm. so many pra- like everything except the writing part like sucks mm-hmm. about short stories. So, like, I kind of felt like, yeah, if I had Geek's Guide as a platform, oh, maybe... A- wait a minute. Wait, wait, so, didn't, didn't, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, like, didn't, didn't Philip K. Dick do that thing where he just, like, took uh, three or four of his, like, short stories that were maybe some of them even already published mm. and then just, like, put them all together and had, like, a, a novel? Uh, so, uh, like, maybe you can do that. I mean, just, like, uh, just, uh, Write novels I, that are like condensed uh, versions of uh, of of different short stories. I so feel like you may... could do that in the '60s and '70s because there was mm-hmm. a, right. yeah. a demand for like there was there was such a demand for fiction because there wasn't the internet and all that stuff competing with it. I don't feel like mashing up three mm-hmm. short stories into novels and putting them out five times a year like Philip K. Dick did really has a place in the current marketplace, or would be successful in the current marketplace. Um. But yeah, so so that's there, there's that. Um, I felt like I was going to say something else, but now I don't remember. But um, I don't. Know, I want to get um, Chrissy back in here. Yeah. Um, Chrissy, do you have any? I don't know. Do like? Do you have any questions you always want to ask about Geeks Guide to the Galaxy, or anything you think we should talk about, or anything you want to let people know about, or anything at all? Oh God, I didn't expect to be put on the spot. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I just enjoy listening to everything, and then, I mean, kind of taking it in. I don't get. Like I said earlier, I don't get the chance to really sit down and read because I'm constantly working on something. So the only times I get to hear stories are, you know, if Tyler and I are on a trip, we'll put on a, a audio book or, you know, short stories on podcasts and stuff like that. So it's nice just to hear the conversations that I'm not getting to have, mm-hmm. I guess, organically from the things that I'm reading on my own. And then, you know, um, it's a lot of, you know, short stories being turned into shows and short series is so it's interesting just getting to hear the other perspectives of it from you guys you you said christy that you're more focused on movies and tv stuff just because i don't have the 
I I work like as soon as I get home, I start working on more projects. So I don't ever have the time to sit down and just read anything. But, you know, I can sit down and take an hour out of my mm-hmm. day and watch an episode of something or watch a movie or put so, on so a, what if you, something while I'm working. Have you watched anything lately that you th- thought was really good? Um, What did we watch? You've watched every single Star Trek episode. I've watched every <laughs> Star Trek episode so many times. Yeah. I have done that. Um, what, what was the movie we went and saw the other year? Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah, we went and saw that the other day, and then Tyler went and saw it like four more times. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I saw it I, three times. Yeah, it's really good. But Tyler was telling me, you know, like, oh, you know, it's not like the book. You know, it's it's completely. I mean, not completely different. But he was telling me a lot of the differences between it and the book, and it's always like, damn it, I want to know what these differences are, like for mm-hmm. myself. So I just gotta. Constantly listening to podcasts that works. I just need to switch to more books on tape. I think. Yeah, for for one thing, the 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 film is like a standalone, from what I hear. I I haven't seen it yet, but uh, but the book is just like the first part in a trilogy. So you know, so it sets up a lot of uh, you know things to come. But uh, the 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 film, I understand, is like a like a self contained story. Yeah. Well, so Tyler, you went and saw it four times. No, I saw it three times. Oh. <laughs> three times. Yeah, well, so I, yeah. I did too. I really, I, you know, you could. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to episode two ninety eight. Yeah, it was pretty recent, but yeah, we had a two hour conversation about uh, annihilation, and we yeah. go through all the differences between the book, uh, the book and the movie. So I'm looking forward to hearing that episode. I have downloaded it, but not listened to it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just saw a snippet where it was like, "Don't see this movie on drugs." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We immediately it's, decided we should see it on it's, 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 <laughs> as soon as we watched it. It's pretty heavy, um, but yeah, I just I, I thought there, it was just so alluring the, the movie, and there my mouth was agape for like a few of the scenes, Definitely. and I hadn't seen that on screen in such a long time, or if if ever. But I don't know. There's something about it that just kept drawing me back in. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I mean, Jesse, you mentioned that there are like all the different people who have appeared who are sort of regular guests on the show. I'm just curious if you guys are there people who have, who are repeat guests who stick out in your minds who you like look forward to seeing again, or do they all just kind of blend together? <laughs> I love hearing Matt London. <laughs> um, I don't actually know what Matt London does. I don't know if he's a writer. I just know I hear him a lot on the show, and I always enjoy when he's on panels. I I agree with that. I don't know who Matt Linden is, but he's he's a pleasant person to <laughs> Exactly. Oh, well, I'm sure he's going to love to hear that. He's like, oh, all of my efforts to promote my brand has been really great at going on these kinds of galaxies. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Matt, he, Matt X hasn't actually been on the podcast for a long time because he got a job that's been keeping him really busy. And I'm 99% Freaking sure we'll to talk about it now. For a long time, it's we, public. we weren't allowed to talk about it. But he, he, was, he was writing the story for a, a, a officially licensed Harry Potter um, like mobile game. Oh, um, and That's so we awesome. got to like fly out to meet with the JK Rowling team and like all kinds of stuff. It's really cool. Um, so we're planning to have him on the show to talk about it at some point, but yeah, that's, that's sort of what he's been up to. That's who he is. He has a, I also really like when you have people who were, uh, interview guests come on for panels. I think Naomi mm-hmm. Novak did that at one or two times. Yeah. And, uh, maybe, and, uh, Paolo did once and, uh, Juno Diaz did once, right? Yeah, there are a lot of examples of that. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there have been so many. I, I just want to yeah. say though, 
that there have been so many important figures in like geek culture. Um, earlier today, when I was getting my audio set up, I was telling a couple of my friends that I was going to be on the show and, uh, a, one or two had heard of the show, and then I think I had a friend who had not heard of it before, and I just gave him a quick list off the top of my head hmm. of, like, Im- influential people who have been on the show, George R. R. Martin, and, uh, okay, that's the only one coming to mind at the moment, but I gave him a much more extensive <laughs> list. We've done 300 and he, episodes! And he immediately was... <laughs> exactly! And he and he immediately was like, "Oh, I've uh, I've really got to go check this out now." I actually wait. I still have it. I said, "Yeah, John Cleese, Jim Butcher, Anne Rice, Ari Salvatore, Amanda Palmer, Stephen Pinker." And he was like, "How have I not heard of this before?" So he immediately hmm. went David to go Cronenberg, Cronenberg, yeah. Mike Mignola, <laughs> Alex Garland, yeah, yeah. Jeff Vandermeer. D- Dave, do you ever just like look at the list and just like? Go, golly, jeez. <laughs> I'm so lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I this really is, made it. You know, this is like my, you know, like John was, I think John was just saying that he like woke up at, I don't know, six and worked until 1130 or something. That's just my typical day. I mean, I do that literally <laughs> like every single day working on the podcast. And like, even if I took, I don't even, I haven't taken a vacation in, I don't know seven years or something. Um, probably more than that, actually. Wow. But it's and it's because, like, what would I even do on a vacation? Like, I would just work on the podcast. You know? <laughs> um, now, David... like, like, my girlfriend, Stephanie, like, recently, I don't know, like, for my last birthday, she's like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I'm like, I just want to work on the podcast. That's my favorite thing to do. Oh. <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I just love it so much. And I'm, I'm, you know, and I wouldn't be able to do it without the Patreon support. So, like huge thanks to everyone who's the, listening. Who's I think us on. I think Geeks Guide was the first thing I ever pledged to on Patreon. Hmm. Uh, I think I discovered Patreon through Amanda Palmer when she made hers, mm-hmm. and then uh, I wasn't able to subscribe at first. And then by the time I actually had some money, I think Geeks Guide was the first thing that I subscribed to, and I've never unsubscribed. So it's been constant this whole time. Oh, that's awesome! Thank I did. Uh, I. I wanted to ask you, David, you said, I actually have a couple of questions that I wrote down to ask you, but one that I was just occurred to me is you said several times that you record in a closet. How spacious <laughs> is this closet? Cause I hate to imagine that after all this time, you're still huddled in a corner next to your clothes. <laughs> no, I, I am in fact huddled in the corner next to my clothes. Yeah. Um, well, cause you know, um, <laughs> you, you need to girl- get a bigger closet and put a desk in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, you know, my girlfriend Stephanie and I moved in together. Um, like two, two or three years ago, and um, mm-hmm. you know, and so like I just have to like you know work with what I've got in terms of our apartment. I mean, we're in Queens, so it's not like you know, it's like like big apartments are extraordinarily expensive. Um, so we, we don't yeah, have exactly. Big apartment. Um, but I mean, it's fine. It's cool. I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, I don't have a studio or anything. I mean, maybe people complain that the audio quality could be mm-hmm. better if I had a big mixing board or something. I don't know. But, well, you know. then they can donate to your Patreon, and you can get a bigger spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I really enjoyed the uh, the interview with Karen Russell. Um, <laughs> I had never I had never heard of her before, and she just seemed like one of the funnest people to hang out with. And, yeah. and there was that moment where like someone was knocking on the door because she was like in someone's <laughs> office or something about to get kicked out. <laughs> um, but after that interview, she just, I, I went out and, and uh, bought a couple of her books and just loved her short stories. So it just goes to show like, even if you listen to the podcast, you know, for long enough, your, your, your reading list will grow <laughs> yeah. abundantly. Is she, is she was so funny. Like I wasn't <laughs> expecting her to be so funny. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes from when you're just reading a person's writing, but I mean, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, she was, uh, she was, uh, 
she was a really fun guest. No, she has just such an ebullient personality. And also it's, it's, yeah. it's funny because um, Stephanie and I, my girlfriend and I met at a Karen Russell reading. Um, oh, nice. So we, uh, we, jo- we, we joke that we might have her, like, try to ask her to officiate at our wedding or something like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because it seems like yeah. she'd do it. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put words in her yeah. mouth, but it seems like the sort of thing she yeah. would do. Yeah. I think she did move away from New York, though, didn't she? So oh, sure yeah. It I don't... would be a little bit more difficult than it would have been otherwise, <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, Johan, do you have any questions you want to ask? Uh, no, more like a comment. I mean, I, I just want to say that um, if I think back on my uh, memories uh, of listening to the show, the uh, one part that like really jumps out uh, is, uh, I think it was, uh, I was just looking it up, uh, I think it was episode 19 uh, where like you and John were talking about like mind transfer and stuff <laughs> like that. So I mean, the, like <laughs> the philosophical problems yeah. and 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 uh, just the technical and uh, well, just the moral conundrums of all that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was like really <laughs> impressive uh, stuff. And 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 uh, uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed listening to that. That's no, that like, was definitely one of our best early episodes, and I think that got yeah. us our gig on Io Nine. I think that that episode yeah. single handedly oh. did, did that. Oh, wow. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you say that too, because I, I love that episode. I, I, I really, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, if I was going to think back to a episode to point to, like that would have certainly been one of my highlights as well. Um. Yeah, and it's interesting just how science fiction, like you can't help thinking about philosophical problems like that when you're reading or yeah, watching sure. a lot of science fiction. You know, it's just mm-hmm. intrinsic to the the thought experiment nature of the of the art form. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's yeah. I I would actually love to have you interview some of the the Texas weird authors like Joe Lansdale or or one of those guys. I think they would be a fun interview. Or philosophers, you know, who specialize mm-hmm. in science fiction. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, like Stephen Shaviro or somebody like that. That'd be amazing as well. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Stephen Shaviro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he uh, he's written uh, uh, at least two books, uh, like uh, co- directly concerned with uh, science fiction. Like one of them is called uh, Connected. Uh, I think it came out in like like uh, two thousand three or something. But the, another one, uh, another one is is more recent, uh, uh, two thousand like sixteen or seventeen, called Discognition. Where he talks about like consciousness and uh, and awareness and and uh, uh, and and like problems related to that philosophically, but he does that through like analysis of specific like short stories and and novels. So things like uh, uh, Blind Sight or uh, you know. Um, let's see now. I I don't remember specifically, but but yeah. So he like. Uh, he discusses different uh, science fiction stories, but in order to sort of uh, get to, um, well, in order to like discuss uh, broader issues about like cognition and and, and awareness. I will. Yeah, I am not familiar familiar with him, but I will definitely check that out. I mean, <laughs> and I, 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 we've been doing more kind of nonfiction and like experts and philosophers mm-hmm. and stuff lately. So I mean, that would sort of fit in. With that, mm. 
Um, I, I was going to say, I, I felt like as soon as uh, he started describing that this author, uh, that that all of all of your all of the neurons in your brains just fired <laughs> yeah, all at yeah. once. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, kind of surprised yeah. you were even still conscious after that. You know, that that goes back to the same point that he made about how the more you listen, the bigger your reading list uh, grows. Mm-hmm. I think. At a certain point, my read, my to read list on uh, Goodreads got so big that I had to make a bookshelf just called Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. That had like <laughs> on it. Yeah, the the but it's always good to have like your to read list uh, be larger than uh, than your mm. read list. Uh, I find actually yeah. because it it sort of keeps you engaged and and uh, if you if you're just uh, like just proud of you know all the books that you have read and and uh, not searching for anything new then that gets dull pretty quick so mm-hmm. yeah i'm curious what i know tyler gets asked a lot but i'm curious what everyone here's um list is when you have people who are coming into science fiction with i mean no experience at all and they're asking you like hey i really want to read some good sci-fi what are your mm-hmm. recommendations for like oh, go-to wow. staple books Tyler's guy, ah. he gets asked enough that he, like, finally, like, typed it out and he, like, <laughs> put it online. I think he put it on, like, his Facebook. So I'm like, okay, stop asking. Here it is. So mm-hmm. curious what everyone else is, what your, even just, like, your top three recommendations would be. Oh, wow. Um, John, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so, uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, like, um, uh, I haven't, like, you know, come up with a hardcore list for myself that I would just be my go-to. But I mean, uh, if I can, uh, go to things that I've done myself, I mean, you know, obviously that's, that's something that I've thought about in terms of when I, when I edit anthologies. But, um, I mean, I would, I would probably point to just to Lightspeed or to, um, or to, you know, the Best American series that I've been editing. Um, just because I feel like it gives you this nice, uh, depth and breadth of the genre. Um, and I think that, the things that I tend to pick are, are, are all fairly accessible. Um, I mean, that's one of the things I, I always try to keep in mind when I'm editing stories or when I'm picking stories for Lightspeed and things like that is I, I want, I want people who haven't spent their entire life reading science fiction to be able to pick those up and, and, and find them accessible. Um, cause I mean, even, even once I was a fan, um, I certainly found like some of the, like some of the, uh, sort of, core genre anthologies or magazines would frequently publish these stories that I, I would just like bounce off of. Like, I, I don't know. I don't understand how to access this. It's like, it, I found it impenetrable. And it's like, even, even with all the science fiction I had read, um, mm. it, it's like, it almost feels like it's like you needed a PhD in science fiction in order to, you know, access some of these stories. Um, and I understand some people love that, but um, that wasn't uh, what I wanted to do with the, with, with the magazine and everything. So, so anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would point to light speed, but, um, yeah, that would be a bit, that would be a much bigger uh, question to try to answer to just to think about like, Oh, okay, well, what novels and what, you know, with this and that, you know? And I think it depends a lot on who's asking. Like I wouldn't just give yeah. somebody yeah. A, a random book, you know, I would say, what do you mm-hmm. like to read? And then I would find something. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. I, I, I do the same. There's, there's way, there's way too many like sub genres that, could fit in, you know, a niche here for this person, mm-hmm. and yeah, kind of just. You just have to do like a mini interview, <laughs> like so. What kind <laughs> of books do you like? So, you know, who are your, you know, favorite, you know, top three non-science mm-hmm. fiction authors, and then you know, go go from there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because well, it's yeah. sort of like John is saying. A lot of science fiction, a lot of sophisticated science fiction, isn't good for 
people who are new to the genre because they don't tell you like there'll be yeah. robots, but they never say they're robots. You just have to infer that from context. And mm -hmm. that's really hard to do if you're like just the idea of a story about a robot is not something that you are even that like familiar with in the first place. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I found out like selfishly like shoving books in people's faces that you <laughs> love is a bad idea. Cause I, I tried to get people to read uh, yeah. Perdido street station <laughs> by China Mieville. Oh. And that, that is his, his writing is kind of hard for someone that's just getting into science fiction. Cause it's really weird. And his prose is very dense. Mm -hmm. And so like everyone yeah. that took that book, I, I would see them like six months later. I was like, Hey, what'd you think? And they're like, uh, you can have it back. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'd give them something, you know, a little lighter and, and they would enjoy it. But Well, and I feel yeah. like in a sense I'm the wrong person to ask about this at, at this point because there's this whole – I feel like probably the accessible science fiction is like YA science fiction. And there's mm -hmm. just a million of those things I, I'm not too mm -hmm. knowledgeable about. Um, so, you know, like I teach every summer at this um, teen writers workshop for, for sci aspiring science fiction writers. And there was this big disjunction about seven years ago or something where all of a sudden I just had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> like what, what books they had read you know it was all these YA mm -hmm. authors and I can't keep track I can't keep up with everything and I think it's those, all, all it I is is dystopian vampires that's all you need to know <laughs> well you know I sometimes feel like YA subgenres are like diet versions of actual genres like uh, YA science fiction is sort of sci-fi light with some teens and romance involved yeah that's I, pretty I think, accurate uh, a good example of this is uh I read those um the mortal instruments. I read the first three books a few years ago. I worked at a bookstore, and uh one of the people I worked with insisted that I read it. She just shoved it in my face, so I read the first three books, and I honestly didn't like them very much, but I kind of thought like this is on its way to being an actual fantasy novel, but is sort of like. It's pulling really hard from video games and other fantasy sources rather than actually making its own world. I mean, it's it's not really a complaint about that book in general. It's just sort of an observation mm -hmm. about teen fiction. Yeah, I, it, it, sometimes authors are forced to kind of tone down the seriousness of their work because publishers think that teens won't be interested in reading hard fantasy or, or mm -hmm. hard sci-fi. Yeah, and a, a lot of it's like aesthetic science fiction, like... Uh, you know, uh, uh, steampunk was really big when I worked at the library. There were just tons yeah. and tons of steampunk steampunk books. So it's not really like something that you can chew on mentally, but it's just fun, like visually, I guess, to to imagine. Yeah. I think something like that also gets popular because you can you can read a bunch of steampunk and you can visualize this world, and it's so easy to adapt that to your own lifestyle and your own style. Yeah. And so it's easier to, for, you know, people who are even just younger and trying to find their own identity, it's easier to fall into that kind of genre when it's something that you can really make your own and you can like but, uh, literally identify with. I, it, I do. Know? I do think that hard sci-fi and like high fantasy are very daunting. Um, like for me, I, mm. I'm, you know, trying to be a fantasy author. And when I read a uh, really well-written fantasy, I feel so terrified. I'm like, I cannot <laughs> possibly build a world that's this detailed and this <laughs> well-explained and, uh, you know, in such an eloquent way. And I look at my writing and I think this looks like teen fiction in comparison, even though I'm trying really hard to build a world. So it can be very challenging. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, as far as uh, just sort of uh, you know introduction books, I, I mean, it, one one thing that like I, like Dave, I, I think I, I have some challenge with it because of just because we're we're so well versed in it at this point. But I mean, I can think back to what got me into science fiction, and yeah. and so like I look at. Uh, you know, books like, uh, like, like, uh, Jurassic Park and some of other, Michael Crichton's other books. That's sort of like what really got me as, that was really my gateway to actual science fiction. I mean, those are published outside of science fiction, but, um, but so things like that gave me the confidence to try real science fiction, you know, cause it's, it's full of science, you know, just like tons, yeah. of, tons of science in those. Um, and then, uh, and then I read like Robert J. Sawyer and Ben Bova. And again, those are, those are both sort of high, hard science fiction people, but, uh, but, but, but they wrote in such a way that was pretty accessible. Robert J. Sawyer probably more so than Ben Bova, but, um, you know, they're both written in this, uh, style that, uh, doesn't really assume that you know, you know, uh, all this background stuff of science fiction and like it, it's, it's going to assume that like, okay, we're going to tell you everything that you need to know in order to, to grapple with this. Um, and, and they deal with, uh, sort of, you know, these different scientific conundrums. And, and, and so it's like, it's, um, uh, I think they're pretty accessible. Um, and then you have people like John Scalzi who are writing, um, you know, sort of like his old man's war series. It's, it's like military SF, but it's written in this really accessible style and it's very easy to, uh, to like imagine someone who has, isn't really familiar with science fiction to like pick that up and just run with it. You know, it's like, um, you know, pretty easy to follow along with everything. So. But th- th- there's a, there's a, there's a interesting problem here as well because, uh, isn't, isn't, um, um, isn't like um uh part of science uh, science fiction or what makes it so uh interesting or different or cool sometimes uh like the exact opposite of of accessibility i mean mm-hmm. I, I, I like like i i i like the feeling that i don't understand immediately what the hell is going on mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> the, the author is using you know familiar words but in a completely different context so so i need to sort of like figure out what what they are doing and the author is aware of this so 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 they're sort of so they have sort of like strategically <laughs> placed you know clues within the text so that you know uh you know i reach a certain you know page and then a light bulb go, uh, you know goes mm-hmm. off i understand oh holy shit you know it's it's actually like this and you know so i have to go back mentally and like reevaluate what i've just read i mean i realize that this can be a, like a horrible challenge uh and uh, and not fun at all for some but uh i mean that's like that for me like that's one one of the like more interesting and cooler things that that the that the science fiction author or fantasy author for that matter like is using like language in a different way uh i find that really cool sometimes so well, um, some authors are really good at immersion very quickly and then sometimes yeah. you just at, like i remember i've never actually finished dune but i've tried a few mm-hmm. times to read it and yeah. the first time I read Dune, I I felt really confident that I had a handle on what was happening during like the yeah. first or second chapter. And then they started throwing in all these terms that I didn't know what they meant. And at a certain yeah, point, yeah, I was yeah. just so confused by the very sometimes the sometimes the learning curve is like too deep. Yeah, yeah, that's, very that's high. The, yeah. That's, yeah, or yeah, very high. That that's that's like the main complaint uh, that non science fiction readers uh, give me as well when I try to sort of recommend books that they're like. Oh, you know, uh, the, you know, the sentences don't make any sense. You know, uh, the, the, none of the <laughs> nouns or verbs are, you know, 
Uh, I'm, curi- like, I'm curious. Have, have any of you guys read Gene Wolfe's book of the New Sun? <laughs> I have I've not. I've tried to. I've tried mm-hmm. to. Uh, this is uh yeah i uh, everyone keeps recommending it to me and i bought it and i was really excited the 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 you know, description sounded awesome and then i read it and well you know to be glib it's just like everyone keeps saying that it you know it just get, gets better and better and better like we with each reread, <laughs> they always say that. But 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 what they forget to mention is is it's not that terribly exciting on the first one. So at least for me, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you know I'll, I'll probably uh, I'm gonna you know make a complete fool of my out of myself like mm-hmm. saying this publicly. But you know the, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll I'll go back to it one day, read it fully, and then you know realize that it's a work of genius and I'm a moron. But uh, as it is now, you know I, I I've tried to read it and it's sort of it should be the thing that I like or love you know about SF, but it somehow just hasn't you know worked for me yet. Yeah, well, I, I didn't like it at all the first time I tried to read it, but I've now I love and I've read it five times. But it, oh yeah, to, so, it's an acquired yeah. taste for for sure. There's yeah, no doubt about that. One of my favorite books is uh, *Wicked* by Gregory Maguire, and um, I had a friend in high school who was reading it. And I tried to read it in high school, and I actually read the whole thing, but it was so his style is so verbose and dense that I really had no clue what was going on. And I was only really vaguely aware of what I was reading. And, but when I went back and read it later, I actually really loved it. And now it's one of my favorite books. But every time I've tried to recommend it to someone, they usually get really put off by Gregory Maguire's style. So sometimes uh, going back and rereading something after you've matured a little bit, uh, it makes more sense to you then. How about Tyler or Chrissy? Do you guys have any uh, challenging books that you think are worth the effort? Uh, well, one of the first books that I read when uh, science fiction, like hard science fiction that, that I read when I was a teenager was The Gods Themselves by uh, Asimov. Mm. And it's told in three parts and the middle part. So the, the beginning part and the end part have to do with like human scientists. And the middle part is like these light aliens and like it goes through their mating processes. And I was reading it and I was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing I have ever read. And, you know, towards the end of the book, it all kind of clicks and it kind of makes sense. But after that, I just realized like how weird science fiction books can really get. And now I'm just like ingesting like Jeff Vandermeer and all, like him and his wife's uh, collections of weird fiction and China Mieville and stuff like that. So I, I find the hard stuff alluring, I guess, because you you don't really know exactly what's going on all the time. And that's kind of what lets your imagination kind of run wild with, mm. with yeah. what you're trying to figure out. So I don't know. I kind of like it now. Uh, I'm a big quitter if I start something <laughs> and I'm not going to get, I'm just going <laughs> to, yeah. like, I'm going to put it down and walk away and just like, you know, it wasn't for me, but I will say that, uh, with, when Tyler first started reading China Me Able with how like immediately drawn in he was, you know, it took a lot of, come on, just read it. Come on, come on before I finally did. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, this is, this is pretty fantastic. And it took a vacation out of the entire country before I finally was like able to like sit down like okay I'm gonna read this yeah. all right now and it I was it was her, great uh, but it was it unlondon I can't remember. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like he like the baby one yeah. <laughs> 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 but even just getting there and finally like 
getting past the hurdle of, you know, I've seen him recommend it to so many of our friends and they're like, no, I don't, I don't think so. So I went into it expecting to not but, be interested. Yeah. I'm a big quitter though. So yeah. I, I do agree with Jesse though. Like I've, I've tried to read Dune like three times and just couldn't mm. get through it all. <laughs> I like, I know it's fascinating. I know it's cool, but just, I don't know. I can't, I can't get through it. Hmm. There's a YouTuber, Lindsay Ellis, who does these really great uh, film reviews, and she uses Dune as shorthand for when something is too uh, overly complicated and obsessed with its own <laughs> mythology. She will just randomly intersperse that little girl going, he is the Kwisatz Haderach, every time something is too complicated to understand. That's hilarious. Yeah, uh, speaking of Dune, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, is going to be, you know, spending his next two films making Dune movies instead of, you know, something exciting and interesting. Like, you know, after a <laughs> it's like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I would have been much more interested to see him, uh, you know, adapt almost anything else. But, um, but uh, as far as uh, you know, difficult but rewarding things, uh, I agree with Dave. I, I love Book of the New Sun, but. Um, uh, otherwise, I, I would put in a plug for uh, Ka by John Crowley, which just came out last year. And, uh, you know, I know Dave, you, you read it recently yeah, and you interviewed great. Crowley. Um, and that that's a book that's like, I mean, honestly, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is one of the best things I've ever read in my life. And I, I was I just so despaired that I wasn't able to acquire it for my imprint. But, um, you know, I'm. Very happy it ended up published somewhere else, but uh, yeah, I was just, I mean, have intense jealousy that I wasn't able to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's just so great. Um, and I mean, it's not, it's not even, I wouldn't say it's as challenging as, uh, for instance, uh, Little Big by Crowley or, or Book of the New Sun. Um, but uh, man, what a, what a fantastic, fantastic book. Like, I, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I, I'm really hoping that's going to get nominated for a wolf. World Fantasy Award, because it's like it didn't get nominated for the Nebula, and, you know, it's unlikely for the Hugo, and it's like, I mean, not that we care that much about, you know, award nominations or whatever, but it's like, I want people to pay attention to it, you know? Um, I want it to yeah. get attention, and, um, and and really, everyone should read it, so... Um. We know this whole conversation really reminds me of something I wanted to say, which is that my it I've been obsessed with fantasy my whole life, but the funny thing is, I've never really... But not before this show, really, was I introduced to really important fantasy authors like Ursula K. Le Guin and mm. uh, Terry Pratchett and people who I really hadn't heard of before. And I, some of mm. them are more lighthearted than others. But my introduction to fantasy was almost entirely through video games. It was through Final Fantasy when I was a kid and then, you know, other fantasy games. And those are really fantasy light. They really use they use the the they use the verbiage of fantasy and the vocabulary of it without actually really being in a well-set-up fantasy world. But because of that, that got me more interested into reading real fantasy that, you know, people mm-hmm. put a lot more effort into. Because, you know, I, I can't fault a video game for not spending all its time world-building, but it is nice to read a book where, you know, that space is there to do that. So I think this show has really helped me to discover a lot of things I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be trying to read you know, Philip K. Dick right now if... I hadn't have found this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's really cool. And I, I want to, uh, before we run out of time, I want to like toot our own horn a little bit. I have a couple mm-hmm. of things here that have happened recently that have been sort of like Geek's Guide to the Galaxy having an impact or uh, getting a lot of attention or some, stuff, stuff like that. So I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys follow me on Facebook, but so our, uh, the new show Channel Zero used uh, a quote from mm-hmm. us right. as, as their like blurb in their uh, TV ad. 
Um, oh, that's really a, cool. There was a beef between uh, Elon Musk and Stephen Pinker, <laughs> where Elon yeah. Musk yeah. responded to something that Stephen Pinker said about him on our show. And um, I did a. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, actually, hold on. Let me mention one one thing, and then I, I you know, I interviewed this um, woman, Jess Phoenix, who's running for Congress, and the mm-hmm. headline was "This scientist wants to bring Star Trek values to Congress," and that became the number one story on all of Reddit with uh, eighty thousand hmm. upvotes. <laughs> Jeez. So I just want to. Do you, do you see upticks in listeners after these events? Uh, well, um, I mean, less than you might imagine because, I mean, it's really hard. Like, like if it's an hour, you know, an hour or two hour podcast, that's not the kind of thing that lots of people just jump on the bandwagon and, you know, start listening to just because of one, like, news story or something. But I mean, yeah, certainly, yeah. like, like the, um, you know, like the, the Jess Phoenix interview had a, you know, much higher than average number of downloads and stuff like that. Um, but no, I mean, the, the, the basic dynamics of podcasts is that it's really hard to get people to listen to like, or like an hour long podcast is that it's really hard to get people to listen to it. But the people who do listen to it are super loyal because they're just spending so mm-hmm. much time listening to you and getting to know you and stuff like that. I saw you posting about the feud between Elon Musk and Steven Pinker and how you sort of got caught in the middle of it. There, there were there were a few articles you posted uh, on Facebook on your wall. I think that uh, had some mentions of the podcast in it. Yeah, and CNBC made a little animated video of there was like <laughs> Stephen Pinker and Elon Musk in the boxing ring and stuff like that. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I was going to say with the Channel Zero thing, it's a, it is kind of a shame that it just it just credits Wired instead of you know specifically Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, I mean, that's that's I think that's uh, sort of bound to happen anytime someone tries to uh quote geek's guide uh especially if it's from the uh from the post on wired uh, as opposed to something that wasn't quoted in the post we just have to get but, bigger um, than wired john and then like that'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure that'll happen soon now we're spending all this time talking about uh geek's guide but we haven't talked about the the real the new star of geek's guide the elephant in the room is that david has a new kitten yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, it's funny. But yeah, so I have a new uh, a new kitten. We named her Oryx. Um, o r y x. We actually named her after the striped African gazelle type animals. Um, and I wasn't even thinking that it's like Oryx and Crake. Um, but that's what mm-hmm. people think about that. And then apparently, there's a bad guy in the video game Destiny named Oryx. I'm also not oh. familiar with that either. Um, but um, yeah, so I started when I post. Uh, sometimes I'll post on Facebook and I'll say. You know, here's the next person I'm going to be interviewing. Uh, here's a and, and so now I'll put a picture of the book with my cat, like sitting next to it or something. Mm-hmm. And those have been really popular. It's excellent John, marketing. Yeah, John, you posted <laughs> something with a cat in it too. You were kind of like ripping me off there. I did. I was. I was trying to copy. I was trying to get your uh, your cat views. <laughs> Although I mean, although I couldn't get my cat to behave as well as yours did. Like, I, how long did it take you to take those pictures? Like, those are first of all, those are really uh, like artistically shot pictures. I'm really jealous yeah. of the light you have. Like, I can't yeah. get any kind of light like that, like, in my house, but... He'll set up um, the book and have it cracked open, and the cat is just, like, lounging next to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Oryx is an amazingly, like, subdued cat. I was telling Tyler mm-hmm. before we got started that I just took her in the shower with me this morning. Because <laughs> um, oh. I was just taking a shower, and she was just standing outside the shower meowing, and so finally I just picked her up, and I was, like, petting her, and, like, put her on the little windowsill, <laughs> and she's totally cool. <laughs> There's another uh there's another 
podcaster uh called his name's Michael Marshall and he has a, a skeptical uh podcast that's uh based in the UK and he got a kitten at the same time as you did and I think because I both sort of think of you as sort of like these atheist kind of activists that I kept I kept getting your cats confused <laughs> so every time one of you posts a picture of the cat I can't remember which one of you has which cat actually that, that reminds me of something so um so we think Oryx is just the most perfect cat ever but Stephanie mm-hmm. had posted a picture, and one of her friends on Facebook said, I, I, I noticed a problem with your cat. She doesn't have, like, a flaw in your cat. She doesn't have a perfect M on her forehead. And apparently, tabbies <laughs> are supposed to have, like, a perfect M oh. on their forehead. And so I, I'd never heard of this before. But so I, I was huh. looking it up. She's actually, Oryx's M is imperfect because she's the chosen one. So you're getting a little ahead of me there, Jesse. But so um, one of the stories for why tabbies have an M on their forehead is because there's this story that, like, I forget what it was. Like, a cat saved the Prophet Muhammad or something like that. And so he, oh. like, drew a little M on its head. And oh. ever, ever since, tabbies have had M's on their head. And so I was like, well, maybe because Oryx is an atheist cat, she doesn't have the M on her head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. And so, yeah, That's so awesome. I, I'm tempted to just, like, just refer to her consistently as Oryx the atheist cat on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah. It has a nice ring to it. I think she should have her own fan page called Oryx, Oryx the Atheist. Uh, yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a TV show, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Needs a jingle. She yeah, just I... goes around, like, wishbone style, debunking religious uh, <laughs> arguments. <Yeah. laughs> Re- retweeting have, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins. Yeah. yeah, I've been really impressed with... Uh, like what you guys have been doing with her, like making her an adventure cat and everything. You got the harness on her, taking her out and walking her and everything. Like that's that that's really cool. Like I, uh, I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous. My cats don't do anything cool like that. Yeah, so I have a little leash and a leash and harness, and I take her out to the park every day, pretty much. And I take her out to the woods, and you know she climbs trees and stuff like that. It's really so yeah. But I've been doing it ever since like the first day we got her, and I do it every day. Mm-hmm. So got to keep them keep them trained like that. I wanted to say, David, since you brought up uh, Oryx being an atheist cat, that uh, I really wanted to thank you for, um, like, you're an atheist, and it's an, it's important to you, uh, but you also, like, I, I enjoy the fact that you don't shy away from mentioning it, mentioning it whenever you're talking to guests, and that it hasn't been something that, it's obviously, it's not a central focus of the show, and it's not intended to, you know, repel religious listeners, but I also like that you haven't hidden it or, you know, tried to downplay it at all. No, no, and I mean, like, you know, I was inspired by Isaac Asimov and Douglas Adams, who, you know, I feel like I'm just kind of doing the same yeah. thing that they did. Well, yeah, I think it's really good to have, uh, you know, vocal atheists who are doing, and also to have, you know, uh, atheists who are doing things that aren't just atheist related. You, like, mm-hmm. your, your main focus is science fiction and fantasy, and you just happen to also be an atheist, and I think it's really cool that... At the, while at the same time you're not downplaying being an atheist, you're also, uh, you know, you also are just a person who happens to be an atheist. So anyway, I just think it's good to have <laughs> to have strong voices. Yeah, I mean, well, because I, I think, uh, you know, I think what you're getting at is that, you know, like people who are just known for being, you know, atheist advocates or whatever, it's like, you know, they're going to be speaking to a, you know, sort of a selected, a self-selected audience. You yeah. Know? It's like they're not going to really be reaching, you know, uh, maybe the people who they would want to be reaching, you know, as much as, yeah. uh, as, as they would otherwise. Whereas like Dave, maybe, you know, with the, with the geek sky platform, you know, being more um, general, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll convince, I mean, that's sort of the one thing that you sort of hope with science fiction a lot is that like, Oh, maybe, maybe, uh, or I guess any kind of stories really, but like if you, if you uh, 
uh, put certain kinds of representation in stories or, you know, you address certain issues, you know, maybe you can hope to reach somebody who will encounter that and start thinking about whatever that issue is in a different way. Like, you know, if you can, if you can do it effectively and, uh, you know, Geek's Guide is just another way to try to do that, I think, too. Well, let me just say, say John, too, is that um, I've had people post reviews on iTunes where they're like, I'm a conservative Christian and I listen to this show mm-hmm. and like, I don't always agree with it, but it's interesting, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that's really oh. good. And I think there's so, yeah. you know, because I listen to podcasts where I don't agree with what mm-hmm. they're saying, but it's interesting, you know, and I, I, I think there's just such a problem and our society today where like, if, oh, you only agree with me on politics 95%, you're horrible. I, I can't even <laughs> yeah. stand to see oh, God, you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just, I just appreciate when people, you know, post comments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, Zach, you mentioned, or sorry, um, but um, Jesse, <laughs> you mentioned um, other podcasters. You'll see the Zach is coming in in a second here. Um, and uh, you know, Zach Chapman, who was in episode 200 and has been on the show a couple of times since, uh, is one of several people, several, several of our regular people who have started their own podcasts. So I want to give them a shout out. So Zach Chapman um, sort of helped start a podcast. It's called One of Us. Or no, sorry, it's called Books and Beer. And it's part of a broader podcast umbrella called One of Us. So if you like that, you know, if you like books and beer, I guess check that out. And then Rajan Khanna um, started one called Spirited Discourse, where, the, you know, they drink wine, I think, and talk about hmm. fantasy and science fiction. So I don't know what it says that so many of our people I'm going to be honest I will I will probably listen to it because I had a bit of a crush on Zach's voice whenever I heard it in episode <laughs> 200 <laughs> hmm. Yeah and we we have to chat about San Antonio versus Austin so I think I'll well, have yeah, to join as well, well actually, let, let me do just, it over a beer Yeah well let yeah. me just mention and then like Anthony Ha has one on TechCrunch called Original Content mm. But um, Tyler, you should totally get in touch with Zach. You guys should totally hang out. We have mutual friends on Facebook, so we probably have crossed paths at some point. Yeah, we weren't being creepy or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever go to Austin? Because there's a, a fair amount of cool science fiction stuff in Austin. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'm actually going there on Tuesday. I go there a lot for for music shows, and they have one of the best comic book stores in the area. So. There's a list of like places we always, if you're going to Austin, you have to go to this comic book store, this comic book yeah. store, and then you have to go get a pastrami sandwich from. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Book People's a good bookstore too, right? Book I People's mean, that's, great. That's still yeah. there, right? Yeah. yeah. It's great. Well, we, we have, we have these stores called Half Price Books that are fantastic for finding treasures. And then they have Austin Books and Comics, which it's literally like four different buildings that's owned by the same family. One's a, uh, like a comic book store. One's a discount comic book store. They have a toy store, a gaming store. It's just like they have the whole gamut of nerdery mm-hmm. <laughs> on this one corner. Small mm-hmm. compound. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, um, and am I correct in that there's no like big independent bookstore in San Antonio? Because uh, when yeah. I was there, I, I was asking, uh, I was staying with my niece who who lived just outside of town. Um, and she, she didn't know of anything. I mean, like there were some Barnes and Nobles or, or there was at least one, um, that we went to, but, um, but she didn't know of any, um, sort of independent bookstores. Is there's, there anything that you know of? There's a couple, but they're not mm. very big. We have one called mm. Twig. Um, but I mean, I, I went to their science fiction and fantasy section and just was guffawing because it was pathetic, but they, they carry uh, a lot more local oh, okay. artists in Texas history. Yeah. They're in a very touristy area, oh, okay. but yeah. there's a couple that double as like music venues. I've honestly only real, I live in South Carolina and mostly I haven't seen any independent bookstores. It's mostly used bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there there's usually a lot of those and i think as more big name bookstores uh you know unfortunately shut down it does kind mm-hmm. of create a bigger market for local used bookstores which is a good thing but i think that mm-hmm. there also should be more of a push for you know actual local bookstores that are ordering new books yeah yeah we were just in uh we were just in Asheville North Carolina and y'all had some oh, really goodness, cool Asheville. like independent places um I mean, but but Asheville's just Asheville like full is crazy basically people. kind of Asheville is kind of this like hippie mecca up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's just like a yeah. great place for you know any anybody who's weird and different, or you know, it's a really great place for gay people and nerds. And there's just lots of mm-hmm. coffee shops, and it's yeah. a really cool place. Yeah, it's like the it's like the Austin of North Carolina, right? Yeah. It genuinely is. I think it's ranked one of the, it's on like one of the top five gay friendliest places in the U.S. to go to. Mm-hmm. There was definitely a bookstore. It was like a used bookstore slash champagne bar and it was, and then it had a like exactly. specialty cheese shop attached to it. It was like, <laughs> this is the greatest <laughs> collaboration I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's been too much. Yeah, time. there are like vegan grocery stores and things there. Yeah, actually, yeah. My, you know, my girlfriend's parents are in the process of moving to Asheville, so I've been down there. Oh. I think once, maybe twice. I forget, but I'm, I'm definitely. Gonna oh, when you anyway. come out, I'll have to hang out with you. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, next. Because I'm only a couple of hours from Asheville. It was no, beautiful. totally. I'll, I will. I will drop you a line next time. Next time we go there, that'll be awesome. Yeah, wh- where in South Carolina are you? I live in uh, a place called Lake Wiley, which is right on the border of North Carolina. So basically, uh, I, I had a friend who posted a joke about this the other day. If you live anywhere near Charlotte, you basically just mm-hmm. say, "I live in Charlotte." Because oh, whenever uh-huh. someone asks where you live, you'll say, "Oh, I live in Lake Wiley. It's near uh, Rock Hill, and uh, it's Charlotte. It's Charlotte. I I was born uh-huh. in 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 the stadium, and Cam Newton is my father." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was just asking because uh, I was in uh, Charleston. Uh, I don't know two years ago, and then and went oh, to yeah. Myrtle Beach. A uh, friend of mine lives. Uh, our friend Chris Savasco, uh, Dave, and I. My friend. Uh, he 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 lives in Myrtle Beach now. So people who uh, are not from the Carolinas, people who are not from the Carolinas, uh, really have this fascination with Myrtle Beach that people Uh who have been there every year, their whole life, like me, do not. (laughs) I've been there so many times that I, that's just what a beach is like to me in my head now. I just think of Myrtle Beach. So I really, I should probably visit some other beaches to see how they differ. (laughs) Well, so, so Jesse, have you been to this place? Cause, cause Stephanie really wants to, one of her like, um, bucket list things is to pet as many dangerous animals when they're babies, <laughs> like furry, only, <laughs> only furry ones, but like, That's like tigers fantastic. and polar bears or whatever, like before they can hurt you, you know, when you, you can just uh-huh. pet them. And so apparently it turns out that there's a place where you can do that, like around Myrtle Beach somewhere that we're, we're, we're talking about going. Hmm. Do you know, do I have any idea what I'm talking about? I've never heard of this. It's not in Ripley's Believe It or Not, is it? I, I don't because there's a Ripley's so. Believe It or Not there, and it's basically just like a museum of weird, strange things. Like outside, there's like a, a a giant ball that weighs like a ton, and it's in a fountain, and it's constantly got water flowing over it, so you can turn it. So I don't know if it's there. It's probably something completely. No, this separate. is. I think it's like some sort of park slash petting zoo kind of place where they you can like pet baby tigers and stuff like. that. I don't know, I don't but know. I'm really interested now. Now that yeah. you've mentioned it, I want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we should probably start wrapping this up pretty soon. But I do want to just like like red alert, like the Expanse season three mm-hmm. is starting uh, in <laughs> April. So I hope everyone like 
all you guys, I hope you're all watching The Expanse. Although, Jesse, we have somehow not been able to persuade to read Game of Thrones, so I don't know what. I do. I have the yeah. first book. I have it, and I've read uh, like the prologue in the first chapter, and I didn't dislike it. I just have been reading other things. So I'm sure eventually mm-hmm. I will get around to reading it. I'll probably get sucked in like everyone else does. Yeah, it's I great. I think it's funny. I've, I've it's, read... it's David Bar Kirtley's yeah. personal mission to get everyone to watch The Expanse. <laughs> yeah. He's trying single-handedly to make sure this show never goes off the air. It's yeah. I, I've read all the books, but I think uh, I, I've only seen I think season one. Mm-hmm. But I, I I enjoyed it. I thought they did a really good job. Uh, Johan, were you going? Were you saying something? Uh, no, I was uh, I, I was uh, about to say that uh, a controversial statement that I think the first book of A Song of Ice and Fire is the best one. But uh, mm-hmm. now that I've sa- uh, said it, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Get ready for the myself. tweets. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's a I don't totally think that's, that controversial. that's a fair statement. I, I would say either Game yeah. of Thrones or Storm of Swords. Or, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, it's big. clearly one of those two, I would think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I that's agree so with whatever you guys say. So wait, are you guys are you guys all watching The Expanse, though? Tell me you're all oh, watching yeah. The Expanse. <laughs> uh, I'm not. <laughs> I, but, I, this, uh, this doesn't bode very books. well for you. I I have not watched it yet, but I have I listened to uh, your interview with the showrunner of Expanse, and I thought it was really interesting, so I do plan to watch it soon. All right, well, watch it before it gets canceled. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you don't watch it soon, if you don't watch it soon, but you do trust Dave enough and you have uh, $20, you know, just buy the season on iTunes or whatever or, or Amazon or wherever. So at least then they're counting you as having seen it, whether you've watched it or not. Mm. Do it as a personal favor to David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> isn't tw- so isn't $20 can- worth after all the joy I've brought into your life? Yes, $20. Exactly. After everything he's done for you, you can save the expanse. Come on. (laughs) Or actually, uh, the first season's on Amazon Prime, so if you already subscribe to that, you can actually just go and put it on your TV and then, like, walk away. Like, you don't have to watch it, (laughs) play it, and let it play all the episodes, and and then that way uh, all those will get counted as, as, as watched. And, uh, you know, you, you can contribute that way. I think it's on Netflix as well. <laughs> yeah, it depends on which, which part of the world you're in. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, outside the United States, I think it's on, on Netflix and then, uh, in the United States on Amazon. Oh, all right. Lucky Estonians. Yeah. The Estonians get all the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I wish it was I, on Netflix. Uh, to be honest, it would be easier, but still. Dave, I know that uh, we're wrapping up soon, but uh, I, I got to ask you everything that I had on my list. But there's one thing that I wanted to mention, which is that uh, probably my favorite, one of my favorite episodes of the show was your interview with Margaret Atwood, because <laughs> mm-hmm. she was flirting her ass off with you the entire episode. And it, I thought it was hilarious. If you go back and listen, Margaret Atwood was flirting with David so hard. Yeah, Stephanie says the same thing, actually. <laughs> I, I, I asked David about it after I listened to it, and yeah, he said the same thing. He had no idea, but it, Stephanie apparently agrees with me. So <laughs> if you want if you want to have a chuckle, go listen to Margaret Atwood just uh, all over David. <laughs> yeah, and, and, d- and before we close, I will say that, David, your interview style is incredible like you do so much research beforehand i feel like there's been guests that yeah. were like where the hell did you find this information so <laughs> you obviously take a lot of time and effort into each episode it's very much appreciated for the listener 
I really appreciate that David lets people talk and he, he, yeah. he will give them a, a an open-ended question and let them answer the question and then offer, you know, comment and then move on to the next question. Because a lot of interviewers will spend the entire interview just talking about a personal story that relates to them, which yeah. can be entertaining. But I, I appreciate that David lets people speak for themselves. Before we started recording, people were sort of joking, like, "Oh, let's do our David impression." And somebody said, "Oh, I'm really excited. Even though you can't tell." Wait, who who was that? Who who said that? <laughs> okay, I admit that was me. Okay. When, when I first started <laughs> listening, I I genuinely I think it was something about the tone in the earlier episodes where I don't know if you were nervous or if it was just the way you were speaking, but it it sounded like. I don't know. You kind of backed away whenever, whenever uh, you were excited about something, and you you tried so hard to sound professional that you ended up sounding slightly uninterested. And I think I remember asking you about it, and you said, "No, nah, that's just the way that I sound sometimes." <laughs> yeah, well, and I was super nervous um, for sure. And, yeah, that's what I figured. Um, and I never, like, I never um, had any uh, perform. You know, I never like did performance or acting or you know, I just like sat in my room by myself reading books. So, I mean, you know, I, kinda... <laughs> I promise it was just a friendly jab. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something I'm, I'm working on it though. I'm working on it. I think, I think you do just fine. I think, I think if you were to change your style, people would be unhappy. So I think you <laughs> should keep going yeah. with the way that's natural to you. Well, cause you know, somebody posted a, a mean review the other day where it said, uh, mm. I, I, I um, stopped listening to this like five years ago because the host is so terrible and I just tried it again and it's still just ah. as horrible as it was. And I, <laughs> Jesus. I, I totally, I, I think well, they can fuck off. <laughs> I think, I think I'm at least 10% less terrible than I was five years ago. <laughs> so the important, the important takeaway from episode 300 is that that person can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone agree? Yeah, 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 yes. I agree. I, we have a quorum. Whenever I first started listening to the show uh, a lot, I I posted a review and uh, David read my review and I remember I was so giddy. I was like, oh my god, that's what I wrote! <laughs> <laughs> and now you're on the show, how about that? I know, what a, well, you know, what a strange journey it's been to this point. <laughs> Dreams do I feel I've accomplished so much. <laughs> Um, all right, so cool. Yeah, so we should wrap this up because it's like almost two hours now. So uh, anyone? Oh, anyone? well, can I just? Oh yeah, go can ahead. I just ask a question? Um, so with when Margaret Atwood was flirting with you, like, do you know? Did she see pics of you uh, in high school with your Rambo physique? <laughs> or, uh, Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I, I am gonna assume no. I mean, it's like <laughs> like most people um, know absolutely nothing about the show. Like like to a staggering degree yeah. when they come on like like 80% of the people I get on the phone with them and I say like okay just to confirm I said this in the email multiple times but just to confirm <laughs> you realize this is an hour right and 80% of them are like what an hour so yeah, yeah. <laughs> the idea that they've done any sort of background research on me is I, I think I think highly unlikely yeah I remember I remember you uh, I won't say who it was but I remember there was one person you got on the phone and 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 he was like uh so how long is this and you were like an hour and he just got like really quiet <laughs> <laughs> cuz like clearly his assistant had set it up or whatever yeah. and then uh he he thought it was going to be like 10 minutes or 50 or half an hour or something and it was like what, an hour I, I think you said it in in one episode that there was an interview that went so badly cuz someone was like in a hotel room oh. and they kept opening doors and they they were just completely <laughs> uninterested, and you had to try and piece together something out of all of their, uh, you know, not paying attention to you. No, no. See, Jesse, that wasn't on an episode. I told that to you privately that you were supposed to keep. Oh, never mind. Um. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, that's fine. Never mind, fun, that but... never happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, there have been some. There have been two interviews that we were not able to use because of uh, they just went so badly. But uh, you know, two oh, wow. out of three hundred—that's not bad. <laughs> that's pretty good. And David, and uh, the chances of those people actually listening to this episode is pretty pretty much nil. So, <laughs> well, especially making it to this point. If they've listened this far, then congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like they, they were so scarred by the fact that we never ran those episodes that they're like listening dutifully to every, every They're waiting for mentions. Oh my god! They mentioned me! They just mentioned me! But they're just talking about me because it was terrible. Oh no, I feel bad again. Yeah, they just listen every week. They're like, oh, I'm sure my interview's gonna appear some one of these weeks. <laughs> it's been a while. He must be really working on editing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, in episode 200, you mentioned that your your white whale was Neil Gaiman, and you've got him on the show now. Um, I know you've also said that Stephen King would be a dream to get on the show. Uh, since it is episode 300 and we're looking toward the future, is there anyone other than Stephen King that you really hope to eventually get on the show one day? Was it us? <laughs> it was Christy Apart Watts. from us, of course. <laughs> yeah, just us. Uh, I mean, there are a bunch like, of maybe, people Maybe J.K. Rowling or something. Oh, that yeah. would be that would be really cool. Well, yeah, there, I mean, there are a lot of people that we've tried to get that ha- we haven't been able to get. I mean, after the um, Elon Musk, uh, Stephen Pinker flap, I, I tried to get Elon Musk to come on and, and rebut Stephen Pinker. <laughs> I guess he's busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, and we tried to get him before, too, and it never got anywhere. Uh, I mean, Salman Rushdie, I want to re- really get, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Colson Whitehead and Tiny Easy Coats. We tried to get recently and they were just, mm-hmm. you know, their schedule mm-hmm. didn't work out. But I mean, you know, that we got, you know, by the time we get around to episode 400, you know, hopefully we'll, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk, he's my next white whale. We'll get him. We're going to get him. There you go. You can interview him in space in that car. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any plans to interview like uh, Samuel Delaney, for instance? Like mm. he's one of uh, uh, like the, you know, cla- like classic new new wave authors who uh, you know who would be amazing. Uh, I'm sure, like to to listen to. I'm I I don't know. Uh, like, uh, is is it on the cards or or like have you thought about it? Well, uh, well, actually, you know, Samuel Artelini, he had a birthday party event. Oh, and I went to it and uh, talked to him. About really. It. And he, um, you know, he said he doesn't really do a lot of interviews. I actually talked to a woman who's writing a biography about him, and mm, she's not mm. been able to get him to sit down for an interview. Mm. So oh. I figure, you know, that gives you an yeah. idea of how difficult it is. But, I mean, you know, I gave him my yeah. card, and, you know, uh-huh. uh, you know <laughs> anytime he wants to come on the show, I'll, I, I, I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, cool. I think uh, that's, I don't know, any other final thoughts? Uh, just this... thanks. Thank. Thanks for everything you do. Yeah, it's it's been an honor to be on this show. You know. Uh, yeah, me yeah. too. Definitely, definitely is an honor to be on it. Um, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. This is just constantly just great conversations, great topics, and like they said, you have a great interview style. So it's always interesting. I hope that one day, I hope that one day, if I'm an actual published author, I can come on as an interview. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that. Def- yeah, definitely. Just keep keep writing, keep getting published. Would, uh, <laughs> you know, I would definitely, you know, consider that. So here's to another three hundred episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> three hundred more. <laughs> David, you're never allowed to sleep again. <laughs> All right, so I think we're gonna wrap things up there. 
So we've been speaking with John Joseph Adams, Jesse Colton, Tyler and Chrissy Lutz, and Johan Raud. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always good to be here. And that was our panel. So big thanks again to Jesse Colton, Tyler Lutz, Chrissy Lutz, and Johan Raud for joining us on the show. Big thanks as well to Stephanie Simpson and Frederick Lane, who both just signed up this week to support us on Patreon. Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so that was our show. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarrkirtley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.